God's word will stand. One of England's most exclusive grocery stores, uh, Fortum and Mason in the London's Piccadilly, advertised for a new chocolate taster, including a salary of $54,000 a year. Now listen to this job. The, the job was this. I mean, this is a dream job. You got to travel around the world and taste as much chocolate as you wanted and come and find the best chocolate to bring back and sell in that store. You say, oh, Pastor, I'd want that one. I mean, they're going to take care of your plane fare. They're going to take care of all of that. Uh, boy, that would be a chocolate lover's delight. You know, a person would have to develop a, a uh, discerning palate for chocolate, would they not? Boy, this one tastes better than this one. You know, once, to me, once you just start eating chocolate, it just, you know, you say, you say, you know, some people, they take it and savor it on their tongue and taste that. Man, I just want to eat it. I just, you know, let's, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Some people like dark chocolate. Some people like milk chocolate. Uh, chocolate is just good, plain and simple. You know, as a Christian, we're called not to develop a discerning palate for chocolate, but rather to have a discerning spirit. God calls us to have a discerning spirit. The story is told of a father who was vacationing with his family, and they came across a large sign which said this, Road closed. Do not enter. I mean, it was stretched across the road. There was a little section on the other side, and the, and the dad says, Well, you know what? I think that this is the shortest way to get to this location that we're going to go and so his wife was a little resistant on the fact that he was going to go around the going around this border and going down the road but as he was going you know there was no blocks there was no there was no problem he went for several miles and you know he got kind of puffed up and said you know what isn't this amazing you know i told you this road was good and then all of a sudden they got to the edge of the road and all of a sudden there's this barricade right there and the road had been washed out the husband kind of had to humble himself and turn himself around head back to the place where they where they came back onto that road and when they got to the original sign uh, he was greeted by the large letters on the back of the sign welcome back stupid Boy, you know, sometimes we can have the most, uh, the most confidence in our own direction and trying to figure ways out and fixing problems, but we're going to let ourselves down. Confidence is only good as the object in which it is placed. When going through life, the wise person places his or her confidence in an unchanging, all-powerful God. Where is your confidence this morning? Where is your confidence this morning? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21, we find a verse which some Bible scholars call Christian conservatism. It deals with this idea of discernment. No matter how old we are or, or uh, how long uh, what we know about the Scriptures, we need to develop a spiritual discernment in life. There are many Christians who seem to keep falling into the same snares over and over because they have no spiritual wisdom. God's wisdom is available to all believers. 
no matter what their age, if we are only willing to ask for his wisdom. James 1.5 says, if any, man, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally or freely and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But wisdom is of no use if we're unwilling to apply it. Today, we're going to consider the thing, do I have spiritual discernment? And you know, just because we are old and, and gray-haired and say, well, you know what, pastor, I've got wisdom. It's amazing how many people that are old and gray-haired gray don't have wisdom. If you're lacking wisdom today, there can be some encouragement for you. You can find wisdom today if you'll just ask God for it. And if you have discernment, we can all have our discernment sharpened a little finer today through God's Word. As we look at this verse in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 21, Paul says, Prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. When we think about this idea, the first point we want to consider this, a discerning spirit is not a critical spirit. A discerning spirit is not a critical spirit. You say, well, pastor, you know, a critical spirit and a discerning spirit, they're kind of, kind of the same. Well, let's consider these two different terms. The word uh, discerning, defined by Webster's Dictionary, is to recognize differences to see clearly. In the dictionary.reference.com, it says to perceive, to define discernment, it's this way, to perceive by the sight or some other sense or by intellect, to see, to recognize, or to uh, apprehend, to distinguish mentally, to recognize as distinct or different, to discriminate, to be able to, to judge, to, to look at different situations. But the word critical, if we define that word critical, dictionary.reference.com says, inclined to find fault or to judge with severity, often too readily. Looking to find fault, that's critical. To have a discerning spirit as a person who is able to recognize what is right and what is wrong, they are able to see clearly what, they ought, what ought to be done or what ought not to be done. They are able to distinguish what is appropriate and what is not. A person with a discerning spirit. A person, on the other hand, who has a critical spirit is one who's looking to find fault. This type of person enters in a room and immediately starts to pick it apart. Have you ever been around folk like that? They come into your house and they start look, doing this. And then they do this. Dust. Dust. White glove inspection. See, I knew there was dust someplace. You know, pictures are not hanging. They come up to your pictures and they start readjusting your pictures because they're just kind of tilted a little bit. Well, you know, if you've got children in your house, it's kind of hard to have pictures be stable on the wall when they go through and they're slamming doors, right? I mean, the whole house jars uh, when, when you've got children in the house. But a person who has a, a critical spirit starts looking for problems. They start looking for uh, different issues. I was sharing uh, with some people the other, other day when I was in California. I was working there as, a, as the principal of the school, 
and in the area right above uh, where the people sat, they decided, the church decided, um, this was before my time, they decided that they were going to put the PA room upstairs. But their only problem was there was no upstairs. So what they did is they created an upstairs there, and, and when, to get up there to it, you had to pull down a ladder, a wooden ladder, that, and then you would walk upstairs, these rickety old stairs, get up there, and here's all this PA equipment. But they had PA equipment, and if you know anything about PA equipment, it generates heat, especially big, heavy stuff. And I used to work up there in that, and they cut a little hole. They said, oh, this is nice, because now you can hear the sound, you can hear everything was going out. And we had a big day. And uh, the big day, they had invited the ins building inspector of the town to come and, in, and uh, come to the big day. And guess what? He came. I saw him walking in. You know building inspectors. They just kind of look around to see, is everything up to code? He walked in the door. I, was, I just so happened to be up top, and I was working what, uh, what uh, Brother George does back there when he's doing the PowerPoint presentation. I was doing that type of stuff. And I saw this guy walking in, and I knew who he was, and he walked down the aisle, and I could just see him from up top. I was seeing him, and he's looking around at all the things. I knew what he was doing. He was examining. He was looking to see, and he just did this little thing like this. He just turned all the way around, and then he looked back, and he saw that room up there. Service went on, had the service and everything, after it was all done, he went to one of the men, and he said, uh, one of the ushers, he said, hey, I'd like to see that up there. They didn't know who he was. So he walks up the stairs, and he walks up there, and I was already out of there by that time, and, but he walks around, looks around here, and, and uh, comes down, and he, he confronts the, the pastor. I wasn't the pastor at the time, but he confronts him. He says, did you have a building permit for that? And the pastor sheepishly said, no, didn't have a building permit. He says, well, you know, if there's ever a fire up there, there's only one exit out of that. You'd not be able to get out of there. And we'd had a problem with smoke, you know, smoke. Where there's smoke, there could be a fire, you know what I'm saying? Several weeks before that. But see, he, was had a, he had a, 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 an eye at looking to make sure everything was just right. He said, well, man, that was a critical spirit. You know what I mean? Hey, can I tell you something? Sometimes when people look at, the things of God, we just say, well, you know what, whatever, just as long as it's for God, it doesn't matter what it is. We can do it, it, it whether it's right or wrong. Folks, that's not true. We need to do things right biblically. We need to be in the right mindset. But sometimes when people come in, they have a critical spirit. You know, in viewing a person or a situation, a particular person, quite often people start to look at, find faults with people. You say, well, you know what? You've got a hair that's not right. I can see it. It's right there. I know, but you don't know that they had to spend 25 minutes to get that hair right there. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, they start looking, and sometimes, to make themselves feel good, they will pick apart other people. How sad that is for you, that you have to pick apart someone else in order to make yourself feel good. You know, there's a problem with you, not that other person. They're looking to tear down rather than to build up. Con take, turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter number 7. In fact, Jesus talks about that type of person who's a, a critical person. A critical person. And a lot of times in Matthew chapter 5, 
or Matthew, excuse me, chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, Jesus speaks about having a judging spirit, a critical spirit. It's the mindset here. And a lot of times people, excuse me, as they read this portion of Scripture, they don't understand what the verse is talking about, and so they distort what the Word of God is trying to get across. And here, in, in verse number 7, verse, or chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured unto you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that, that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how shalt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote, that little sliver, out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam that's in thine own eye, and thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. What he's talking about here, and I've heard people say this, they say, well, you know what, pastor, you know we're not supposed to judge. You know we're not supposed to judge. Can I tell you something? You haven't looked at the context of what he's talking about here. He's talking about you and I, we're not supposed to have a critical spirit. We're not supposed to be looking at each other and say, you know what, well, you know, I'm more holier than thou. We shouldn't have that attitude. We need to, if you're going to look at holier than thou, let's look at Jesus because he's the perfect standard. We need to keep, and all of us, no matter who you are or how long you've been saved, we all fall short of the Lord. We all need to keep him looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We all need to be conformed more to the image of Jesus Christ and to look to Jesus Christ as the guide, as the direction for our life. So when we look at this, and people say, well, pastor, you're not supposed to judge. Man, people are going off into sin. They're, going, they're living an evil lifestyle, a wicked lifestyle. Well, pastor, you're not supposed to judge. I submit to you, you need to keep reading the Bible. Because if you'll drop down just a few verses in chapter, Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, we find that Jesus speaks to the folk about having a discerning spirit. Not a critical spirit, but a discerning spirit. Look what we find here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Jesus says, beware of false prophets. Now you say, what's a false prophet? Well, false means they're not a true prophet. Today we have a lot of false prophets in the world. We have a lot of false teachers in the world. They're not afraid to use the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I submit to you, if you look in the Old Testament, the false prophets were not afraid to use the Lord's name. But they taught things that were totally contrary to the things of the Word of God. In fact, Deuteronomy talks about when a person comes in and they're, they're encouraging people, they're, they're, pro, they're giving a prophecy, and they're saying, you know what, you need to depart from doing what this, uh, this idea of here of, of, of obeying God. God says you need to mark those people because those are false prophets. When a person tells you to go contrary to the truth of God's word, you better mark that person. You say, well, pastor, we're, you know, they, they, they're Christian. There's a lot of things that claim to be Christian that are not Christian. And today we've got a whole host of things. The devil uses that as an opportunity to get Christians to fall and to falter and to go down a wrong path. And Jesus says here in this portion of Scripture about the importance of having a discerning spirit. Look what he says. He says here in verse number 15, Beware of false prophets, 
which come unto you in sheep's clothing. You know, I'd always, every time I read that, and notice the next part, it says, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. It always reminds me that sheepdog on that, that used to be that um, uh, cartoon. You know, that, that sheepdog was out there and, and he was watching the sheep and the, and the wolf sometimes would come out and he'd throw that, that sheepskin over top and you could see the old wolf was just wanting to come up and, and snag one of those little lambs. And that sheepdog, just, even, while the, even though he had the hair over his eyes, it seemed like he always knew. He'd grab him by the throat. He could spot him, uh, whatever he was trying to do. Well, God says, let me just tell you something. False prophets are just like that. They have the appearance on the outside of being a lamb. They're just, they, they look like on the outside, just like the real deal. But Jesus says, let me just tell you about what's going on on the inside. What's going on on the inside, they want to destroy you. Look what he goes on to say. Beware of false prophets, which come into you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits, by their works, what comes out of their life. They're known by their fruits. You can tell whether a tree's good or not by the fruit that it bears. When we come into this world, we, are, we have a sin nature. And the fruit that comes out of our life, you don't have to teach people to lie and to cheat and steal. You don't have to teach them to be self-centered. How many have ever seen a little baby? That's mine. You didn't have to teach them that. That little toy that you bought for them and some other little kid comes by, I'm telling you, that's mine. And all of a sudden now they're fighting over a little toy. Can I tell you something? When you get to be adults, what do you get? Just children growing up acting like, or, you know, adults acting like children. Well, that's mine. I'm taking this. We, we see that all over the place. We do that, the fruit of our life that lying and cheating and stealing and, and all looking at living uh, for me and living for what I want, it's inbred in us. It's part of the sin nature. We want, we want to do what we want to do when we get saved. God puts into us a new nature. He takes us from our old life. That old life is passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And God begins to conform us to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. To be more like Him. Jesus said, My sheep hear My voice. They're in tune to the voice of the shepherd, which is the good shepherd, which is Jesus. My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. Jesus has gone on before that and says this. He says, you know, My sheep, they're not in tune with... He says there's been other shepherds, but they're not in tune with them. They know the master's voice. They know the shepherd's voice. Let me ask you today, do you know the shepherd's voice? Are you in tune with the shepherd's voice? Boy, pastor, there are so many different teachers out there. How can you, how can you know? We were talking yesterday when somebody was mentioning uh, uh, a particular individual. And I said, oh yeah, you're leading down a wrong direction. You say, well, they've got a lot of large following. That, doesn't mean, that means nothing. What is it in light of God's word? God says, you will know a false teacher, a false preacher, 
by their fruit. What is the fruit that's coming out of their life? Jesus goes on to say in that portion, he says, even, he says, ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that beareth not good fruit is hewn down, it's cut down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Jesus is trying to tell us here, we need to have a discerning spirit. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 2 for a second. 2 Peter chapter 2. Back at the back of your Bible, 2 Peter chapter 2. By their fruits ye shall know them. That word know means to know by sight, the hearing of certain signs, to perceive who is a person to recognize. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, it says, But there were false prophets, talking about in the Old Testament, there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily or privately shall bring in damnable heresies. Notice this next little statement. Even denying the Lord that bought them. Some of these false teachers and false prophets that are out today that are out and about, even deny Jesus. We were out soul winning yesterday and Kimberly was talking to a Mormon uh, lady and she was talking to her, uh, trying to share with her about the gospel. And that, you know, uh, she says, uh, you know, about believing that Jesus died on the cross. Oh, we, I believe that, I believe that. Um, that he was buried and rose again. Yeah, I've accepted that too. Only problem is they believe in a different Jesus than what the Bible says. They believe that Jesus and Satan were brothers. God says, well, I need to have one good one, one bad one. And Jesus said, well, I'll be the good one. Satan, says, Satan or Lucifer says, I'll be the evil one. That's a different Jesus. They're denying the very Lord that bought them. And bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious, their destructive ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Folks, this last week has been a historic um, time in our Supreme Court. I'm glad the Supreme Court didn't let the influence of some of this other garbage that's going on sway them in making a morally right decision in the way Roe uh, Ro versus Wade situation. It's about time. It was wrong before. It was, and even people that stood against it said, hey, you know, it wasn't a right. Ginsburg even said this wasn't a right, right decision when it was made. But you know what? People did it because people wanted their way. And some 60 million babies were killed. Innocent blood. God says in the book of Jeremiah, and he's talking about the shedding of innocent blood, he says, shall I not judge a nation such as this? America, I believe, is under judgment right now. It's not coming, it's here. We're seeing the start of it. The only hope for America, I believe, is revival. For God's people, first of all, to get right with God. You know what? If God's people don't get right with God, don't expect the world to want what we've got because they don't see any difference in us. 
Because many people that call themselves Christian are living just like the world. And friendship with the world is enmity with God. It's a hatred for God. And God says, if you'll be the friend of the world, you are the enemy of God in James 4. He says, many shall follow their pernicious ways. And through covetousness shall they with feigned or plastoise, plastic words make merchandise of you. Whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. May I share with you what you hear today on many of these different radio stations and things like that. People are saying plastic words. They're being, their words are molded to what people want to hear said. They don't want to hear about sin. They don't want to hear about hell. They don't want to hear about judgment. They don't want to hear about uh, the fact that we're supposed to be a holy, righteous people. They don't want to hear that. They want to hear, you can do what you, what you want to do, follow your heart, just trust your own inclinations. Can I tell you something? To follow that direction is to follow away from God. Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know them. There are Christians who, who have failed in developing a discerning spirit because they have heard preachers and others misinterpret Matthew chapter 7. Oh, pastor, you should not judge. So then everything in, in their life, they don't judge anything. The problem is they don't read the scriptures. We're not to have a critical spirit. We're not to find fault in others. To putting, uh, but we are to put things to a test. We're to test all things. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, told us to prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. Notice as we look at the second point, we are to put all things to the test. All things. That word prove means to scrutinize, to examine uh, whether something is genuine or, it, or it's not. To recognize after examination, uh, to approve, to deem worthy. As you put things to the test, you say, well, pastor, how do we know whether things are to be put to the test? You know, what, what's the standard? Can I tell you something? The standard of whether something's true and right is the as standard is the word of God. You and I need to look in the Word of God and study the Word of God so that when we look at things, we're able to examine and to come up with the right conclusions, not based upon what I think, but what does God say. We're to examine our beliefs. We're to examine the teachings and situations to see if they are the type of things that we should bring into our life. Solomon in Proverbs 19, 27 says this, Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causes to err from the words of knowledge. Hey, we're to stop listening to people uh, that are, that are uh, uh, causing us to divert from the truth. When I was in high school, I had some teachers that, that had some all sorts of interesting philosophies. One of the teachers that was in my mass media class, or he was the, the teacher of the mass media, he was supposed to have been, he had gone for a instruction as being a Catholic priest. And he decided not to go to the, the, the priesthood. He wound up being a teacher instead. And uh, his mindset was basically this. All different religions are leading the same way. In our mass media class, he said, you know what, we're going to bring in special speakers to come in and to, to talk to young people about anything. In fact, you can invite as many special speakers as you want to come and speak because it's good for people to be exposed to all sorts of different, different views 
And, uh, you know, it'll help you. Well, one of the teachers he brought in was from Planned Parenthood. Or he was a psychologist who came in. He said, now, young people, let me just tell you something. If you're out being promiscuous and you're, you're wanting to have sex, just come down here to the place and, and we'll, give you, uh, we'll give you contraceptives so you can go ahead and do that without having any, any problems. And I'm sitting there in the class and think, what in the world? Then they were coming and they wanted to do this feely, touchy, and, uh, you know, we're all going to get together and, and hold hands and we'll feel it. And I said, no, nope, not involved in that stuff. When we were all done, after he was all done, and the kids were, yeah, this guy's really, he's standing there with us. He's on our side and it's for us. I said, sir, and the class had left, and I said, sir, you know what? Let me just share something with you. You're trying to help people on two areas. You're trying to help them mentally, and you're trying to help them physically, but you've missed the most important part, and that's spiritually. Every person has a spirit. Even the lost people have a spirit. Their spirit is shut off toward God. They don't know what is right and wrong. I said, you can try to band-aid all the other, the mental and the, and the physical, and you can try to band-aid and make that all right. I said, but that area of the spiritual, you'll never be able to reach until you become a, a child of God. And I gave him the gospel. The teacher had said, you know, you can have all sorts of different speakers. I did. So I started bringing the guy who was the, you know, the, this is mass media. So he, he was the, he was the uh, guy who was a, the director of the, TV uh, uh, radio station there. It was a Christian radio station. Uh, so he got a chance to give, his, give a, his testimony about what Jesus Christ did in his life. I invited the person who was the, not only a TV station, there was a radio station, Christian radio station. He gave the gospel. I brought di different people. There was a guy that was, used to be in the mafia. Hey, you know, hey, they, they ought to learn what not to be involved in. This guy was in the mafia. And he talked about how he was a bookie and all that type of stuff. But guess what? He got saved. His life changed dramatically when Jesus came into his life. They got the gospel over and over and over again. Folks, we ought not to be listening and, and, and embracing people that are going to lead us astray. Well, pastor, you know what? They're good people. Can I tell you something? They're not good people if they're trying to get you to go away from the truth. And that's what Solomon said. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 6, Jesus said unto them, he's talking to his disciples, he says, take heed and beware of the leaven. Leaven is a picture of sin. The leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They had a religion. The Pharisees and Sadducees did. They were part of the group that, that were supposed to lead people into righteousness, and they had the law. Boy, I mean, they would study the Old Testament Hebrew law, and they knew that. The problem was, they made up their own traditions, their own things that countered the truth of God's word. And Jesus says, hey, you better be aware of those people. You better have a discerning spirit about what these people are saying. You better put it up to the truth and look at what's being said. Is it right or is it not? Paul said in Philippians 3, 2, he says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision, the Jews that were following the Old Testament law and not the truth. John the Apostle says in 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. That's why I'm trying to tell you here today, I'm trying to warn you, not everything that calls itself Christian is Christian. We need to evaluate situations. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 7. Not only are we supposed to 
evaluate the believing beliefs and teachings of others but proverbs chapter 7 we ought to evaluate situations you know sometimes we get into situations and we just whatever comes we it must you know we're just going to go through it may i share with you that here in this portion of scripture solomon talks about having a discern about having discernment and how that a person who's simple-minded you say what do you mean simple-minded a person who just i'm just opening my mind up to whatever comes my way i'm going to accept it into my life god calls you a foolish person god's word makes wise the simple you and I, there's some things in our life that we not, ought not to let in our life because it's going to destroy us, and God knows that that's going to destroy us. That's why he gives us his truth. Have you ever thought when Jesus was on the cross and he prayed something like this he, when he was up there? He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. When they had beat on Jesus, when they had spit on Jesus, when they had, uh, they, they had mocked Jesus, you say, well, what in the world? D didn't they know that they were doing that? Oh, yeah, they knew that, but they just didn't know what the Bible said. But they were going in the wrong direction. And folks, there's a lot of people that are walking after their own lust, after their own mindset. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know that the that their, their rebellion against God is going to lead them in a life that's going to be sorrowful. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 14, 12, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Oh, you know what? I can take drugs and, and it won't affect me. I can smoke marijuana and it just makes me a, a, just makes me a, 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 a better person. Let me tell you something. It's going to lead you down a path that it's going to destroy your life. And I don't care if the... If, all of America goes and says it's all right. Can I tell you something? The issue of drinking and, and, and all of that, and we had prohibition, and people say, well, you know what? It just didn't work. It did work. And you know, some of the people that, were, uh, that helped to bring that about were people like the evangelist Billy Sunday because he knew what drink, how it destroys people's lives. How many people died on the roads this last year because some drunk got into a car, and killed somebody. Oh, pastor, we, we're trying to protect people. Then, hey, let's just stop the drinking. It's going to destroy you. How many, phone, how many homes have been broken up because of that? How many, how many calls, Brother Jim, uh, do police officers have to go to homes where people have been drinking, and they're not in their right mind? They're not thinking right. I submit to you, folks, the world tells you, oh, this is right, this is okay. Drink responsibly. <laughs> what a world. It's all messed up. God says, look not on the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup. Don't even look on it. Wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging. Whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. When you partake of that, you're not wise. And what's sad is I've had Christians that wanted to debate that one. Well, you know what? Paul told Timothy, drink a little wine for your stomach's sake. Yeah, but you need to go and study that a little bit. He's not talking about alcoholic wine. He's talking about the fruit of the vine, which is a new wine, a whole different. There, it wasn't intoxicated. We're to prove all things. We're to evaluate here in this portion of Scripture about a simple person. My son, keep my words. Lay, my, lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live and my law as the apple of thine eye. 
Bind them upon thy fingers. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Say unto wisdom, thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman. Now he's talking about the wisdom of God here. That they may keep thee from the strange woman. We'd call it the harlot today. Woman of the night. From the stranger which flattereth with the words. Now notice, for at the window of my house. Now Solomon's speaking. He's looking out of his window. He says, I look through the casement, and behold, among the simple ones. Oh, man, I just don't know what's going on. I'm just going to wander through life. I'm just, God says, let me just tell you something. You're a simple person. Well, I'm just going to watch whatever I want on TV, and it doesn't affect me. Let me tell you something. You're a simple person. It will affect you. He says, I looked out of the casement. He says, and behold, among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths, a young man void of understanding, passing through the street near her corner, a strange woman, a harlot's corner. And he went the way to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the, dark, in the black and the dark of night. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot. Can I tell you something? There is an, an attire that you and I, ladies, uh, and men, can I tell you something? People know your attire and know what's going on in your heart by the attire that you wear. When a person dresses in all black, and I'm talking about, you know, they usually have that quite often. I'm not talking a gothic stuff, but that, that, that is an indication of where their heart is too. But when you have mourning, you would wear black. The Bible talks about people who put on sackcloth and ashes when they'd be in, in great sorrow. Can I tell you something right here? There was an attire of a harlot. She would show her thigh. When she would walk down the street, you knew that she was a harlot. In the New Testament, we go in the New Testament, you see in, in 1 Corinthians chapter number, chapter 11, uh, it talks about, uh, they're talking about men and, and hair and so forth. It says, does not even nature itself teach you that for a man to have long hair, it is a shame? You say, oh, pastor, what's that all about? You know, I like to have my long flowing hair. You can't even tell a guy between a girl anymore. You know, can I tell you something? He's telling the church in Corinth what had happened. The church in Corinth, the people that were lost, the people that had been in the world, were now dressing and looking like the world. And part of the worship of Diana was male prostitutes. And how did you know a male prostitute uh, that was walking down the street? Because he would have long hair, which would be in diametrically opposed to what the norm would be. Folks, we don't even know this book. God's trying to warn. He's trying to tell us there's dangers. And we're, we were looking here, there was an attire of a harlot. And the world today says, it doesn't matter how I dress. I heard it out just the other day on the news, and somebody was saying, it doesn't matter how I dress. You know what? Those guys shouldn't think bad thoughts. Well, you're putting those bad thoughts in there by the way you are dressing. When you're wearing revealing stuff and short shorts and all that type of stuff, can I tell you that you have a responsibility to dress right? And as Christians, we have a responsibility to dress right. Here, this person had the attire of a harlot and a subtle heart, and she is loud and stubborn, and her feet abide not in her house. Now, she is without 
now in the streets, and she lieth that waited every corner. She caught him and kissed him. Hey, this, this uh, feely, touchy, and boy, you know what? I, when I was a youth pastor, and I watched the young people, and the young people, they just start getting more physical. Can I tell you something I learned as a youth pastor? What the children are doing in public, they're doing more than that in private. Parents, don't be deceived. I had some young people that came to our church in California. And I was up preaching. In our facility, we had heating, we had air conditioning, we had all that. And one time, the young people, the teenagers, came in, and they brought a blanket. The guy and the gal, and they sat back in the back part of the church. And they put this blanket over their laps. And I thought, you know what? I was not born yesterday. And I told them, I said, get that off of you. He said, well, pastor, it was cold. No, it wasn't. I was sweating. And Mama was just sitting there like, what? Folks, it's time for us to get some discerning spirit. Well, I could really preach on this one for a while. Hey, those, remember those old gel bracelets? You know, those, those blue and those different gel bracelets, and then when they first came out, it used to be that, you know, you'd wear a gel bracelet because you're identifying that you're supporting this particular group and that different group. When I was in California working as a principal of the school, one of the parents came up to me and said, Pastor, do you know what's going on with those gel bracelets? I said, well, yeah, they're you know, like the, the Heart Association. They wear a, a gel bracelet for that. They said, oh, you, you ought to do some research on that. So I did, and when I did the research, it was shocking. Young people, when they were wearing a certain color gel bracelet, it was telling others around that, hey, you know what? I'm available. You can have your way with me. Guess what we stopped having in the Christian school? No, no gel bracelets here. You know what? Some of you parents, you need to be checking out your Facebook pages of your kids, too you might be shocked at what your kids are putting on Facebook. So, well, Pastor, I trust them. Then you're a fool. The devil is alive and well, and he wants to destroy your children. You can be like this simple person right here. Well, I'm just going to wander down the street. Oh, whatever comes, comes. Or you can be a wise, discerning person. Look what happens. She caught him and kissed him. With an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me. This day have I prayed, paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet thee, diligently to seek thy face. And I have found thee, and I have decked my bed with coverings and tapestry and carved works with fine linen of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrhs and aloes and cinnamon. Come and let us make our fill of, of love until morning. Let us solace ourselves with love. For the good man is not in the house, and he's gone on a journey. He, will take, he has taken a, a, a bag of money with him and will come home at a time appointed. Hey, let's go have relations together. It's okay. With, mu with her much fair speech, she caused him to yield and with flattering of her lips, she forced him. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till a dart strike through his liver as a bird hastened to the snare and knoweth not that it was for his life. I'm telling you right now, that's a pretty, pretty uh, strong statement. She's going after you to destroy you. 
We're to evaluate the situations of life. Which way is the wrong way to go? Do you have wisdom regarding the situations of life or do you just seem to, to be making the bad decision after bad decision after bad decision? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 says, Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication, and this is what this young man was doing here, sinneth against his own body. 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from all appearance of evil. You know what? You ought to abstain from the things that are evil. If God says they're evil, you ought to abstain from them. You ought not to be going to the casinos. We have so many casinos here in, 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 in Montana. When a building goes out, it either becomes a pub or it becomes a casino. And let me just tell you something. I'm against all of that. It's destroying people's lives. Well, pastor, they're a business. Can I tell you something? I'm against it because it destroys people's lives. One of the good, one, uh, good King Jehoshaphat, one of his downfalls was the people that he associated with. Not only were to judge the situations, but we're to judge our friends. Do you judge your friends? Do you say, hey, you know, is this a good friend that's going to build me up? Is this a friend that's going to help me to, to draw close to God? Or is it going to be a friend that's going to tear me down? Well, pastor, you know, I go to school with them. I hang around with them, even as adults. Do I hang with the, those? Well, you know what? They're my friends. Well, you know what? Let me share with you. God says there's some people we ought to mark and avoid. A person who doesn't walk in accordance with God's word now, I'm not talking about an unsaved person because an unsaved person doesn't understand the things of God. I'm talking about a Christian who has said, you know what, I don't care what the Bible says, I'm going in a different direction. God tells us where to mark that person and avoid that person. You say, well, pastor, if you just show me, I'm glad you said that. Go with me to 2 Timothy. Go to 2 Timothy for a second. Excuse me, 2 Thessalonians, not 2 Timothy. See, we think that, well, you know, they're, they're, we're good friends and we're going to be with you forever and we're, you know, we're just going to hang around you. Well, I'm just telling you, God gives us some warning. Second, Second Thessalonians chapter number 3, verse 6. Now we command you, brethren, Paul speaking, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in other words, this is coming straight from the Lord, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother, talking about a person who calls themselves a Christian, that walketh disorderly. That word disorderly means not according to ranks. They're not, a, they're not doing what God says. God says withdraw from them and not after the tradition which ye have received of us. For yourselves know how that ye ought to follow us. For we behaved not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if you would not work, neither should you eat. Boy, I tell you what, we need to get back to that in America. Hey, all these people that come to work, and they come to work for a day, and they don't like the fact they have to work, and they don't want somebody telling them what to do, and then, you know what, we're just going to let the government pay for us to stay home. I tell you what, we have violated the principles of God's word, and we have got a problem in America today. We need to get back to the word of God and the truth of God's word so our nation can get back on track. The hope is not the government. 
The hope is God and our Savior Jesus Christ. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Say, well, Pastor, what's a busybody? I mean, they're just busy. They're busy. Yeah, they're busy, okay. You know what they're doing? Let me just tell you something. I'm going to tell you how to rear your children, and I'm going to tell you how to keep your house, and I'm going to tell you how to be a better student, and I'm going to tell you. That's a busybody. The word busybody means a self-appointed overseer over another man's business. That's what Jesus was talking about, being critical. Hey, get, the, get that moat that's in you, that, that beam that's in your eye, get that taken care of so that you can be able to help others. That's what he's talking about. Now them that are such, we command thee and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be ye not weary in well-doing, and if any man obey not our word by this, epistle, uh, by this epistle, notice, note that man and have no what? No company with him that he may be ashamed. So what, Pastor, what does that mean? Well, I'm a good friend. This, is, this person is my good friend. This person says, you know what? I know what the Bible says, but I'm not going to do it. So I'm going to go over here. Well, you know what? I'm just going to keep. I'm just going to keep hanging with him. God says, "Let me just tell you something." Jesus is telling you, mark that person, warn him. And he tells you here in the next verse to admonish them as a brother. You need to say, "Hey, you know what? You're going the wrong direction." But you know what? So often this is what happens. We choose not to obey the Lord, and I'm just going to be with that person, even though they're going this way. Can I tell you what God's trying to tell you something? You will become like that person the longer you hang with that person. You will not be in obedience to God. You're in disobedience. Why does God tell me that? Because he's trying to protect you and me from the wrong type of friends. You got around a, you're around a friend who's always cutting you down and chopping you down. Can I tell you? How do you feel about that? Well, that's just their way. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. That person's not your friend. You better mark that person. They're trying to destroy you. We're to test our friends. We're to test our actions. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 and 32, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Folks, we're, not to, we're, we're, to, we're to examine what we're doing, how we're living. I pray today as we, as we consider this, we're, I'm going to preach the rest of this tonight. Otherwise, you're going to be here until 3, and I'll just carry on. Folks, can I tell you something? Discernment. You need to have spiritual discernment. Prove all things. You're to live under the control of the Spirit of God. God's Word is the truth. I'm to look at situations. I'm to look at my friends. I'm to look at situations. What would God, what would my Savior Jesus have me to do? How would he have me to live? Not how I want to live. I'm here and you're here to please Jesus. The question is, are we? Do we have a discerning spirit? I pray today that you would stop and consider so that you'll make the right choices in life. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come before you this day. 
realizing the importance of this portion of Scripture that we've looked at tonight, today. Lord, to have a discerning spirit. We're to prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. God, I pray today that you would cause us to examine our beliefs. Or what, do what we believe, is it according to God's word? If it's not, then we need to set it aside. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And Father, I pray today that you'd cause us to have a discerning spirit. Not a critical one, but a discerning one. Lord, we need to have that in these days. We can discern between good and evil, right and wrong. But it's based upon your word. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me just share with you today that God says that you're a sinner. The Bible says in Romans 3.10, there's none righteous, no, not one. Isaiah 53.6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. People today are living by their own mindset, their own direction, and we're not going in the direction the Lord wants us to go when we come into this world. There is a, the wages of sin is death. There's a price for the sins that you, the things that you and I, that we do wrong. And that price is to be separated from God for all of eternity in a place called the lake of fire. One day, you will die if you know not Jesus as your Savior and you will go to that place. You will be judged for your sins and you will be cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. But God loves you, my friend. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God loves you so much that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The question is today, will you receive Jesus as your Savior today? He shed his precious blood to pay for your sins. He took your punishment, your pain and suffering on the cross to die in your place so that you could have freedom and forgiveness of your sins and live forever in heaven one day. Will you not accept that gift? But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The only way to get to heaven is through Jesus. Today, as I ask you this question, do you know Jesus as your Savior? If you don't, there's no salvation in any other. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Today is the day to get saved. Why not receive Jesus? He died for you. Why not receive him as your Savior? You say, well, Pastor, how do I do that? By simply acknowledging as God says, God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you set your son Jesus to die for me. I want him to come into my heart and save me from my sin today. I want to turn from my sin. I want to turn to Jesus and follow him. As you're seated here today, it's the greatest decision you could ever make in your heart and life right now. Let me challenge you right now to ask Jesus to be your Savior. Dear Father, I pray for these that are here, those that are living or 
listening over live stream, I pray, Father, today that you would speak to their heart. Lord, that they might be saved. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. How shall we neglect it? How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? There is no hope without Jesus. Lord, I pray for those today that may have asked Jesus to be their Savior, that they would make that decision public today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for died on the cross. Father, we thank you for your amazing love for us. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. Brother Scott's going to lead us in a song of invitation here in just a moment. If you're not sure you're saved, I'll be right here. I'd love to tell you how to be saved. There's no, nothing greater than to know Jesus as your Savior. But if you're not saved, can I tell you something? There's only one thing that awaits you. I know a lot of people think that heaven awaits them, but it doesn't. Hell awaits you. It's appointed a man once to die, and after this, the judgment. You will not come in reincarnation and come back in some other form. No, that's not what happens. The truth of the matter is that there's one opportunity, one life, to decide where you're going to spend eternity. And they, today, God, in his mercy, has given you the, the opportunity to hear the gospel. Once again, for some of you, it's the first time. For some of you, you've heard it many times before. And you've said, no, I'll just wait till another day. Can I tell you something? There's coming a time when there'll be no more another day. Today is the only day you, you have to make that choice. Why not receive Christ today? Maybe you're here today say, Pastor, you know, you've been talking about a discerning spirit. I... I really don't have much of a discerning spirit. Hey, today is the day to come to the altar and say, God, you know what? I need to get more into thy word so that I can understand what's right and making the right choices in my life. God will give it to you. But you've got to humble yourself and acknowledge the fact that you can't do it on your own. You don't know, have the wisdom that the Almighty God has. Without me, Jesus said,